This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Pangrang people. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and the modern Australian nation has never made any genuine attempt to come to terms with what was done following European arrival. Well may we say God save the Queen because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart too better ways to push and pull hey whatever gets you through these days hello and welcome to well may we say a progressive podcast about australian politics this is episode 143 for monday 15th of february 2021 i'm jeremy Pico, and each week i'll be joined by a different guest host or in now the last couple of weeks this <laughs> Process. The same guest host, uh, my beloved wife, Denise Siapirko. Welcome back, Denise. Hello. Denise, how... Okay, there have been a number of things since our last week, episode about, I don't know, two and a half weeks ago. And yet, despite the absence of our podcast, which would suggest that there was nothing to talk about and that Australian politics had, in fact, resolved itself in some kind of positive way, giving us some genuine hope for the future, uh, I don't think that's what's actually happened, is it? Well, I don't know. I can't actually tell you because I've been trapped within a lockdown zone for the past uh, two and a half days. And therefore, whoever knows what could be happening out there. Maybe Australian politics has resolved itself magically. Uh, No, tragically, we continue to receive information in relation to, well, information in quotes, uh, what's going on, which is, but but unfortunately, it's all depressing. So um, the things that are pissing me off today are... (laughs) So many. Anyway. <laughs> is this list uh, alphabetical, numerical, by priority? Well, you see, this is the thing. When things pop up that I think are relevant for the podcast, I tend to tweet them from the at, well, may we say, Twitters. So just just looking back at it, we have uh, today a story that um, Anthony uh, um, Albanese uh, hasn't suggested a figure for the ongoing rate of job seeker welfare payment because he says Labor wants to give the government space to lock in a long-term increase on its own. No, no. Oh uh, wow, that's like no. I don't want to break up with you. I just want. I just want us to give have some space. And and yeah, no, no. We're, we'll totally still be dating next week. Well, I don't know. That's so much the space. It's more that they they, they labour like we are the alternative party of government. We we should be in government. I, Anthony Albanese, have have what it takes to be in government. And what I I, I am able to conclude on policy matters, uh, you know, complicated policy matters like should the unemployed starved to death or not. It's, it's, it's difficult. But um, the important thing in, in, in government is to be able to stand up proudly and, and we've, having figured these things out, and say, what, what do you think? Ah. What, you, you, you give me a number first. You, 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 you tell, uh, what, 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 do they, what do they think? Yeah, yeah. Party in power, how about you say what you're going to say and then I'll tell you what I was going to say. Mm. <laughs> Why can they not take the fight? Well, they can't take the fight because they don't have any fight. Because it's because our, our whole idea that the ALP is there to push for progressive policy and to defend the interests of ordinary Australians may be a fantasy. It's definitely <laughs> a fantasy. It's it's a broken fantasy. And it's really actually, it's a bit tragic, the number of people who really still buy into that fantasy and how hardcore they buy into it. It feels like 
they have that that sunken cost sort of fallacy thing where they've sunken so much of their identity into labor being the party of the working people and, and the average Joe that they need that to be true. And so they keep sinking more energy into it. Well, they come up with ideas that make Australia worse slightly less often than the libs. <laughs> Woohoo! Slightly less bad, bad than the liberals. Yeah, Vote so for us. Did you say that they were also looking at dropping the negative gearing and capital gains tax policies, which, which weren't even... The the franking credits thing was the one that the, yeah. the, the libs managed to somehow get up on, despite that being the most preposterous thing. Oh my goodness! the The idea that people voted for the libs because they thought Labor was going to bring in a retirement tax, being nothing more than getting rid of the Howard government rule that you get yeah. a cash payment. Um, in it, if you're you have shares from the government, if if you're not paying any tax, like yeah. it's this rule that only affects you if you have. You're if you're very wealthy and you have lots of shares and you can therefore reduce your taxable income and therefore get, actually get a refund when you have no taxable income. Yeah, like the idea that, 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 that we taxpayers pay people for, for so that the, the company that they invest in doesn't pay any tax at all and we give cash to people who are almost all much... Well, by, by definition, you have to have a significant share portfolio to benefit it. Yeah. Anyway, the idea that Labor was able to lose that argument is so embarrassing for them. And the idea that they that they think, oh, well, we lost it once. We can never win that argument. Yeah. It's like they feel that they they can't win the argument on uh, treating refugees with compassion. They're like, you know, Australia... How about we just kick them a little bit? I just... The, the negative gearing one, that wasn't even a, an electoral problem for them. Like, yeah. it's a, the capital gains tax one. And then, they, then they're like, well, we, don't, is... yeah, we need, haven't figured out yet how to address housing affordability. We rule out fixing capital gains and negative gearing, but, and we haven't figured out a housing affordability strategy. That's because addressing those things would be the best. We'll rule out the thing that would actually help the problem. And then, I don't know, the solution is to the problem. <laughs> Once we rule out the thing that would solve it. I agree. Um, and I think that it is the thing that would solve the problem. And it's really frustrating that within a couple of days, they're like, Oh, well, we're uh, not going to say anything about the minimum payment. And now we're going to get rid of this policy that would actually help fix things. But uh, we don't know what we're going to replace that with. And also, we're going to try and win back, you know, the Sunshine Coast voters by maybe being a bit softer on coal. You know, it's very unfair that, that governments in the 60s were willing to let the steam train industry die because those those provided good jobs to, to working Australians. And yet, the filthy, filthy electric train um, lobby, uh, you know, had this had this sway over the presumably, you know, communist governments of the time. They you know, weren't definitely long-term liberal governments, and and um, you know, they, they were willing to switch from steam to electric trains just because you know that made a lot more sense and was a, a vastly more sustainable um, and and economically reasonable approach going forward. But you know. Just because that, that's what happened in the past, there's no reason why we should be moving on from coal to other way, means of generating electricity that, that isn't coal now. Mm. I mean, you, ca- you can't change. Once an industry is established, you cannot develop past it because the workers involved in that industry will lose their jobs and have to retrain into a different industry. Well, only when it's an industry that suits the Liberals because they get that voting base from that industry so- and they get a lot of money from that industry. It's a bit sad, really. The, the, these same far-right cranks who idolised Margaret Thatcher are unable to do the one the one thing that Margaret Thatcher did that would actually be positive at this point, which is... Shut down coal? <laughs> shut down coal. <laughs> yeah. You don't, that, well, you don't have to do it as horribly as she did and brutally to the workers because 
Like there is a difference no. between shutting down the coal industry and starving people <laughs> and, and destroying your economic base entirely and just leaving whole cities out of work. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there are avenues that are, that are between those two. But you can you can shut down coal and retrain people because there's an alternative. The whole point is that unlike like as the coal industry let jobs go down, which by the way. They're going down anyway. It's not like Adani isn't going to replace as many jobs as it can with automation. Yeah. These are not sustainable jobs. Yeah. But as those well, jobs go down, like, there's plenty of work in the comp- uh, the comparable renewable energy industry. Absolutely. And it's interesting. Um, so Labour's been in Queensland this week, and apparently Albanese keeps saying, Labour is on your side. I have a clear message. Labour is on your side. That's not actually a clear message. It doesn't actually tell me anything. You're on my side about what? Like, what are you? what are you proposing? What do you have that will help me? So it staggers me, going back to the, and it's connected, but going back to the unemployment situation, the idea that we don't have a safety Sorry, we're not on your side if you're on the dole. All workers, because keep in mind that having a social security net set at a level that is livable doesn't just mean that, that the poor are living in less poverty and... You know, that which is basically a humane thing to do and it means that their children are uh, missing out on medical care and they're not having to skip meals and their health isn't getting worse as they get older and they're not in constant stress and, and you know, that having it at a livable level so people can survive and that being a basic, you know, a basic human right at this point, that's not just to their benefit. It's not just to the benefit of the economy in general because that money all gets spent in the economy and therefore creates more jobs. It is also, and it staggers me that labour... Of all the issues, they don't seem to be able to argue. Mm. But they should be able to. The idea that they cannot stand up and say to workers who are constantly, it's, the Libs are constantly pitting lower paid workers against the unemployed. Yep. And they get a lot of political capital out of that. And the idea that Labor, which is supposed to be these, they're like, we're a party of government, we're the, we're the big professional advocates, you know, that we're, we're the professional outfitting politics on, on the uh, mm. non conservative side. Yes. And yet, we can't manage to convince workers that having a safety net that ensures that they have an option, that their employer can't give them unsafe working conditions in an unlivable wage because they're competing against a livable social safety net. If there's a social safety net that is livable, employers have to do better than that. Yes. The idea that we've got all these, quote, jobs, I'm not even going to call them jobs anymore. Anything where you are doing work for someone for less than a livable wage yeah. is not a job. It's not a job in the sense of, that, that, that it's actually a sustainable thing that you can do and and and, and survive on. And Absolutely. Live on. It, it doesn't count. I, we don't need more jobs if jobs are de- defined as shit, underpaid, exploited work that doesn't get it. Get, that, that the worker is just, you know, grinding out their labour for the profit of someone else but with, without actually being able to survive comfortably themselves. Mm-hmm. That's not a job. That's exploitation. Well, and it's interesting because um, one of the few places that Albanese actually has managed to sort of make a stand is around families and pushing for like more for better childcare situations. Those are the that's the only place in no other area. He can't talk about right. You can't talk about refugees. Anything uh, anything positive well, he there? He can. He won't. Yes. He doesn't talk about uh, the dole. He specifically says, "I won't say anything until they've said their thing first. Because he doesn't want to say that people need a livable wage, that we need to be able to support people, that $40 a day is actually a cruel and torturous thing to be giving someone. Oh, it causes huge harm. Yeah. It, it harms the people stuck with it. It squishes yeah. the economy, and it also enables people to be exploited, workers to be exploited by unscrupulous employers. Absolutely, absolutely. And then you then have him going up to Queensland and being like, 
we're on your side. Well, whose side are you on? I don't understand. You don't stand for anything. If you stand for nothing, Ablo, what will you fall for? Okay. So maybe he's, he just wants to be in the room where it happens. He doesn't care how he gets there. He does. He's, he's basically Aaron Burr. The other thing, by the way, I, I wanted to actually, I should have put this at the top because I actually want this one to catch on. So part of the justification that they always give for starving people is the basis that is the idea that you got there's got to be an incentive to get work because you know there's these there's these jobs and people are job snobs and they're not going to go and do them and we've talked plenty about how like they're, they're you can go picking fruit bullshit is not a genuine a a people will try to do it and they yes. and they don't get hired because the farmers want these exploitable visa workers. and there's been another article about that recently over the past week about a couple of women who went up and down the coast of Queensland basically 30ish year old women trying to find this work and were turned away from farm after farm because they're like no we don't want you. And second, there's a tiny proportion of people who can even even try that. Yeah. Because if you have family, you have children, you have obligations in, in a, wherever you're located, the idea that you can just pick up, that relocating costs money, the idea that you can pick up for uh, work that is not even paid the minimum wage, that, um, that relocation costs money to regions where it's only seasonal, you go up there and then what? Then what? There's no more oh. jobs? Then And Setlink specifically says, oh no, you've moved to an area where there's less work, we'll cut you off. Yeah. Like, it's deranged. That is not a solution. But... Even if there were, even if, you know, there are jobs out there that are not terrible, but the problem is that there are, you know, 100 applicants for each of them sort of thing. And the thing that gets me, and I'm, I want this phrase to, I, you tell me, do you think this phrase, I don't know if I've ranted about this, with, I've put it online, but I don't know if I've actually said this out loud, out loud to you. So musical chair economics. You have. We discussed this the other day. Okay, well, so you're, you're so even even with the podcast and, and Twitter, you're still not safe from me rambling about stuff. Anyway, look. we were talking about duck duck goose, and from talking about duck duck goose, we started talking about musical chairs, which then brought you into musical musical chair economics. Oh, so you're you're responsible for this thought, broadly in part. Yes, okay. obviously, yes, the Canadian the North American game of duck duck goose that children play is responsible for this thought. Yes. Okay. So, just in terms of how we can phrase it, because um, the idea that. Uh, in fact, it seems to be this. I argue it's like a fundamental part of what makes somebody a conservative as opposed to a progressive person is the idea that I managed something so everybody who didn't deserves what they get. Yeah. Um, you know, if I crawl out of this crocodile pit by standing on someone, the people who are still in the pit being eaten by crocodiles is their own damn fault because it didn't occur to them to climb out on top of everybody else. Like, literally, it's impossible for everybody to get out of the crocodile pit, but I don't care because I'm out of it. And actually, what I find you're seeing in America a lot right now is people talking about student loan forgiveness and student debt forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And whenever people talk about that, people say, well, I paid off my student debt, so what will I get? Yeah. Well, that's that's a different one. That's the... the um, I don't. I want to pull up the ladder after me. Thing. Oh, that, that's not so much. That, that that one isn't. That one's a different analogy. It's because that one's more. I suffered, so I don't see why. Like the idea that somebody else doesn't have to suffer the way I suffered makes me, me angry. Because me, it means it means that if I'd been lucky enough to be be in this later group, I wouldn't have suffered. I've definitely suffered. Therefore, I want all the other people to continue suffering until you know. Just because otherwise, I'm the one who. I don't like the idea of somebody getting a better deal than I had. But it also does feel the same to me. Like, oh, I was able to get the chair and pay myself off. So therefore, anyway. I, I, I do think there's a distinction. But let, 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 me, make my, let me make my analogy. All so right. my point is, I, obviously what we're talking about here is the situation where um, you get this rhetoric of it's fine to starve the poor because there are jobs. Here's a person who got a job. Therefore, the people who didn't screw, you know, they, they don't deserve support because they if their moral failing at failing at this job 
But when you've got 100 people competing for the job, like one person will get it, 99 will miss out. The idea you shout at the 99, well, you just didn't do enough to push past that one person. It's very convenient for the people who don't give a shit about them to be like, <laughs> like, but, but, like there's only ever going to be one person who gets that job. And there's going to be many more people who miss out. And it, insofar as that is a difficult idea for people to grasp, I feel like calling it musical chair economics makes that point mm. elegantly because everybody understands what musical chairs is. Everybody played it as a kid. Everybody understands that the idea of it is there are literally not enough chairs for the people. Yeah. And the idea that you know everybody who every time you play musical chairs with a child, one of the children uh, needs to be thrown in a vat of crocodiles. Crocodiles come in vats. No, a vat of acid or a piece of crocodiles, I don't know. The idea that, that the person who misses out on that chair should be Where punished for it. Where do you get these vats of acid and these pits of crocodiles so readily? Hang on. It, were pits of crocodiles not an important part of Canadian um, no, education? No, no. Oh, okay. Well, here in Australia, we, a large part of our education system is about learning pits full of crocodiles. And pits full of crocodiles. <laughs> yes. And also learning that hawk rhymes with fork. <laughs> they do not. Hawk. Hawk. They are two separate words. No, but you just, it's because you didn't say hawk. You said hark. Hawk. As in the hawk. Herald Angels sing. No. Hawk. H-A-W-K. Hawk the Herald hark. Angels sing. Hark the Herald Angels sing. Yeah, hark. The bird. This is just anyway. brilliant content. Anyway, <laughs> my point is, I would like to see more lefties using the expression because this, it feels to me like it's almost at the... Look, the Labour Party's not going to do this advocacy for us. The ACTU isn't going to do any advocacy for us because the ACTU has made it clear that what, what they really hate is people actually advocating for unemployed people. Even though the whole point of unemployed people is that they're the people that, the, that, that employers get to threaten employed people with, be, with being turfed into. Like, there is no way to separate unemployed people from employed people. They are, they are the threat that employers can, can hold to exploit you. So, anyway, it feels to me like there needs to be actually protest on it. There needs to be, it needs to be a, a real... Well, I suppose it's not like, it's not like BLM and, and um, refugee protesters. We've actually managed to change the dialogue and it'll get squashed. But at least if there was, at least if there were proper protests on it to the extent where the media couldn't ignore the point of workers, mm. it's you as well. Yep. This is how they exploit you. What they do to us is the threat they hold over you. Not us being, you know, you and I are fortunate enough currently to be employed. But there was a, a different period earlier this year during the pandemic. Last year? Oh, yeah, it was 2021. Mm. Anyway. But we were Within recent memory, there was a period where you were on parental leave and I was unemployed and we were really stuck in a situation. But we were fortunate yeah. enough to be in the situation where the um, Liberals were like, oh, hang on. Um, we don't want too many people figuring out just how cruel we are to unemployed people generally, so we'll increase the payment temporarily. So we were lucky in that, at that phase. Mm. Um, whereas... And, and the idea that they were even like trying to separate that between people who had who were unemployed before the pandemic and people who were afterwards, like the people if you're unemployed beforehand, well, it was your fault for not not uh, not being able to elbow your way into that that chair. It's like here's another analogy. It's like it's like the zombie thing where you don't have to be you don't have to be faster than a zombie. You just have to be faster than the person than the, than, than somebody else in the group. Which is monster. Or 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 what people say to um, rape victims, where they're like. Here are a list of things that will, will make the rapist notice you. 
Don't yeah, do those don't, things yeah, exactly. so they attack someone else. Like, uh. don't you reckon that's a fundamental difference between progressive people and conservative people? The idea that as long as you can push yourself past someone, then the people who are behind you deserve what they get. Well, absolutely. And it, it is the whole basis of the if you have a go, you'll get a go idea. It's the Which is a lie. Be, well, it is a lie. But it's like as long as so because you are successful at something, you had a go, so you deserve it, you're rewarded. Those people, they just didn't have a go. Yeah. They didn't have a go hard enough. Yeah. Everything that the right objects to when we talk about privilege is because their entire defensive argument for their privilege is that they earned it. They, yeah, absolutely. They, they, they don't they weren't privileged. They, they didn't have any privilege in any way. They just, whatever they've got was due to their own merit. Yes. Um, and yet, we don't have a classless society. We don't have genuine, it's not, you, you, it's not the case that you can look at, that, you know, some kid at, at, I don't know, what's a snooty school? What's them all out? Scotch. And some kid at an underprivileged, under-resourced, you know, school in a remote area. And you go... Yeah, no, I'm confident that those, that, you know, it's impossible to tell which one of those will make more money in their lives or which ah. will, making money is the most, um, is, is the definition of doing well, but uh, which which of those will have the better opportunities, which of those, you know, I, it's impossible to tell out of those two people. Impossible. Those two kids, ah. have, well, I'm confident that in Australia, an egalitarian nation where merit is what gets you ahead, I'm sure that those two kids will have the same opportunities. Nobody believes that. We pretend to, but not if, not if play, put as starkly as that. Anyway, I, I do think that, that referring to every time the government's like, there are jobs out there, calling it musical cha- pointing out the musical chairs analogy, I think, is helpful yeah. for highlighting to people that it's bullshit. Yeah. And that simply going, you know, if one person can scramble past the others, that doesn't mean that the that everyone who's not, you know, kicking everyone... Like, it's like the rich want, want the poor to be just fight, punching each other in the face to try and get that one little, you know, spot. Yeah. And, and then it justifies... You know, yeah, the, everything that, that, that they so that person who basically tackled the other people and managed to get over them uh, is okay, and they're better, and they got the chair. They're heroic. So, yeah, actually, it's almost like like this attitude in um, disaster movies. To be action, like you often see this in movies where the hero, there's some kind of horrific um, apocalypse, like you know, okay, oh. an, an actual apocalypse, like an asteroid hit or whatever. Um, and you've got all the cars that are stuck on the freeway trying to get away, and the hero is the one that thinks of driving up on the curb and around them. Like, everyone else is a moron who couldn't have thought of that. Yeah, like, yeah. But, but this, the, the, the stand-in for the audience member is the, the, the heroic person who thinks outside the box. Exactly. Whereas, literally, if everybody does that, it doesn't... Like, it's, it's purely a selfish thing that only one person could do. Like, 100%, that wouldn't even be an option because everybody would have tried to do that and it would already... Or the external lanes would be blocked as well. Like, it's not like that's even realistic. But even if it was... If everybody else was being like, no, no, we need to keep those open for, I don't know, emergency services or something. Um, the, the dickhead who's just hooting past doesn't give a shit. It's like they're, we, we tr- we've almost like we train people to think of this sort of selfishness as a positive character trait. Mm. So, like, I do... Well, that's capitalism, isn't it? If, if you can screw everybody else and get on top, then, you, then you're a great person who deserves the rewards. Well, that's how it works, isn't it? That is exactly how it like works. That's, well, that's except, for the, except for the deserving part. You, you will receive the words is how it, awards, rewards. You will receive the rewards is how it works. Yes. You will deserve them is not... I would say that's a, there's a distinction between those two. Yes. Oh, my goodness. 
So I found the story you were referring to. A couple travels 2,000 kilometers for job, then are told to work first week for free. Scott Watson, 53, said he'd contacted about a dozen companies in Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria, several of which he'd seen quoted in media reports about labour shortages to ask for work in the past year, all rejected the former business owner and financial planner who lost his job at the start of 2020 and is not eligible for government benefits. That's two stories. And then there's the hotel quarantine security guards at the front line of keeping the highly contagious B117 COVID-19 variant out of Western Australia have called for better wages and duty of care provisions with as many paid... Many are paid as little as $22 an hour to put their health at risk during 12-hour shifts. Like, and, and yet we're like, oh no, the problem is lazy workers who aren't prepared to, to put in a hard day's work. Yeah. By the way, that pandemic thing, how is it? So Victoria, obviously everybody listening to this as well aware that Victoria's got another lockdown. Unless for some reason you, like, you really saved your episodes of well, maybe we say, like, like, and wondering if they age like... Like a fine wine. Like the metaphorical fine wine. Um, and if you come back to them after, say, two or three years, will the episode of Well May We Say that you have saved in your podcast feed, in fact, not just saved in the feed, because you know, Squarespace, Squarespace may not actually retain them forever, but you have saved them, you've downloaded them to your phone. and then so Because you treasure it like a jewel. Well, that's right. And so you're actually listening to this in February 2024. And you're like, right, what? hang on, which of the many lockdowns was this? Was this like... I can't remember. There were so many back then. Yeah. Anyway. And then you're thinking, I really wish that we'd listened to Jeremy when he repeatedly said, why don't, why are we not running quarantine facilities through the federal government? Ah. Uh, through, like, it, why, why are the government still putting people returning who may, may be infectious into hotels that are 100% not designed for the purpose with workers who go home at night? Why are we not putting them in? Why are we not built and run? Why are we not running proper quarantine facilities uh, where workers are like FIFO workers, they are paid generously mm. because they are on a sh- they're on a you know two or three week shift where they don't get to see their families. Yeah. They are paid extremely generously to make up for that, as you know, like all five like FIFO yeah, workers, like FIFO workers or, anywhere, or rigs. Yep. Um, but but reducing the p- capacity for community transmission because they're not just going and then they're quarantined on the way back. Why are we not doing that? Why are we still chucking them in hotels? And oh look, there's another outbreak from a hotel because they're not designed for this purpose. Well, even it appears Dave Hughes agrees with you. So we pumped up, people. Fuck, now I have to delete the entire podcast. Because right. <laughs> he's tweeted that. Why did you tell me that? I didn't need to hear. <laughs> he's just tweeted that, like, not having one entry point in quarantine facility for Oz is beyond comprehension. What the fuck are we doing? Hotel quarantine leaks leading to lockdowns and border closures, damaging the physical and mental health of millions as well as costing billions of dollars. Just insane. See? Look. Husey's on our side. Well, you know, he's, <laughs> he's tried to conceal what an enthusiastic listener he is of the podcast. <laughs> That's all right. But because... it didn't, I don't know that he needed to expose it in that way. <laughs> At least Jeff Kennett's still a dick. Oh, God. Did you see this? Yes, he's like... Um... What a sad day. Beautiful. But nowhere to go. Florists with stock they can't sell. Functions cancelled. Restaurants having to throw out volumes of fresh food because their doors have been locked. A whole state closed. There has got to be a better way of handling future outbreaks. Now, that's, this is the Jeff Kennett who in the 1990s shut down Victoria's infectious disease hospitals and... and yes, and also, like, food. reduced our hospital beds by a thousand and... Screwed up the health system in such a way that... Look, it's, closed it's, it's definitely Labour's fault that it hasn't fixed the problems that Kennett left in the health system in the first... You know, 
given it was 25, 30 years ago. Like, Labor, Labor's been in power long enough to fix that, and they haven't. They also haven't come out and declared that they, what they're going to do to actually improve it. So, you know, they've had a year since the pandemic, at least, to demonstrate that they needed to do that, and they still haven't. So, seriously, Labor, state Labor. <clears throat> anyway, nonetheless, the, the, the instigator of that chaos, having that whinge, Jack yeah. out. <laughs> I just, I love the many full stops. Beautiful, full stop. But nowhere to go. Full stop. He's being, he's like his own little, uh, what's his name? William Shatner. He's trying to do, he puts on a little beret and does his sort of big poetry. Mm. Um, actually, the other one I saw from Kenneth was where he was like, I, I, I tried to give Daniel Andrews the benefit of the doubt. Bullshit! Who is believing for two seconds you gave Daniel Andrews the benefit of the doubt at any point? You are the most... Fringe partisan right wing hack the country. Well, no, there's so many. Oh god, what have you seen now? <laughs> a tweet. Why from, is there a picture of a tweet from Sky News Australia? Most of the journalists in Melbourne covering the premier seem to be absolutely content content to be propagandists for the Andrews regime, according to Sky News host James Morrow. <laughs> I mean, anything the Sky News Siri, says. Show that, me projection. <laughs> yeah, that people are absolutely propagandists. Oh, did you see the other thing? Sorry, on the on the Labor bit, did you see that the state ALP in Victoria was also um, considering and, and genuinely proposing, uh, although they've now dropped it, put, uh, using prison labour in the farms? Oh, that's a fantastic it? idea. Yeah. For 82 cents an hour. So, wait, are they going to be paid like a proper wage? And that's no, no, they're going to be paid. So it's the 82 cents an hour. Um, what? Yeah. Anyway... <sighs> Look, the idea that right now, if we held a federal election, Scummo would get back in, despite pretty much every problem we're facing. The only the only good thing that he, he has done was was that he was forced to increase Social Security during the pandemic. He was forced to do it, did it reluctantly, and is now winding it back to starve people. Ah. The idea that he... In fact, I, I, you would think that if, if you can ever motivate, motivate people... Who are already so the reason why the why people who are on these starvation payments are hard to get organised to protest and motivate and so forth is a they're information poor because part of being in poverty is you, your access to information is, is low, huh. but also you're exhausted. Poverty is exhausting. And now I, um. I have never experienced the t- kind of crushing poverty that we're talking about here. Neither have I. So but I, am, yeah. I am not speaking from personal experience, but I but I am well aware from listening to people in that situation, ah. it is exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. It's physically exhausting. Yeah. And so the idea that you could then you should then go out and attend a protest, I, oh. it's really hard to get people to do that for obvious reasons. Um, and yet, what, if it was ever going to be possible, the point at which they are genuinely proposing to... Like, people have had a livable wage briefly and then having that ripped away from them you would think that this is the time to do it, but of course it's difficult with the pandemic. It was difficult that the biggest cut, when it was cut down to 50, was over New Year's. It yeah. was so hard to organise people over... over. Well, also, like, if you're impoverished and don't even have access to... You know, you don't have cooling or something, is going out and protesting in the heat is... Well, it's also, like, people are talking... Um, people from Anglicare and a few of the other uh, agencies that assist people say that during this pandemic, even with the higher rates, um, they're 
needs for food and food security have been at their highest. They've had one of their highest rates of people asking them for assistance, even with a higher rate. And as the rate's going down, um, that's been increasing. Especially because, well, and also because there were so many people who fell through the cracks of that, who were on visas or something that they didn't get the support, who were working temporary jobs, who just lost everything. Like, yeah. because the cafe jobs they worked or that sort of thing while they were here as a student, they couldn't get. Or... But, it's, but it's okay if we have people starving here if they don't have citizenship. Yeah. Then it's all right to have human beings starving on our streets. Yeah, and yeah, it, exactly. And the other issue is that, but they've had these huge issues, but they also have issues with people reporting um, that they can't make it to their interviews. So if they have all these check-in things, if they're on $40 a day, they literally cannot afford to take the public transport to go to this interview for this job they know they're not going to get. And so then they, then they don't meet their mutual obligations. Yeah, let's not ever use that phrase either. Mutual obligations is, yeah. is, a, yeah. Mutual is an obli- bit of, bit of It is. Speak. Mutual obligations is really them saying, basically, uh, make work tasks to remind you that you need to be grateful to us and that you are subservient and worth nothing in our eyes. And, and It your, doesn't your quite poverty, flow off the tongue. Your poverty isn't the fault of a system that is designed to screw you the, to the benefit of the people who started at the top. Mm. No, it's your fault. And the fact that we're giving you even a paltry amount that is below the amount you need to survive... You owe us. You owe us big time. Even though our entire privilege is built on exploiting people in your situation, including you. Even though everything that we have is built off exploiting people like you. And even where it's not directly off you you as a person, it's off using you, punishing it's off what we can get out of other people by using you as an example of what we'll do to them if they don't comply with what we want. Yeah. Like our entire privilege is built off you people, but you owe us. You owe us that we don't actually let you die. Although we let you, no, we do let you die, but because we don't let you die quickly, we let you die slowly and painfully mm. over many years, you owe us. That initial obligation is feral. It's, yeah. it's just disgusting. I, uh, it's very angry. The, uh, by the way, talking to people who make me very angry, have you seen, um, you, we talked about this ages ago when Tim Wilson started his whole uh, anti-super campaign using the fact that his party has fucked up housing as the, as the stick. Like, you remember when he was using that as an argument? So he's like, housing is terrible. And um, what was it? He had in the News Corp papers today was something like, I don't think I've got the, the, the picture of it, but it's, some, it's, it's something like um, the, the house should come before the egg or something. And that in the old days, workers, before you had compulsory super, super wasn't a thing that you did until you were, already had your house. And yeah. before then you saved up for it. Um, but by the way, I mean, they're not proposing to pay workers more. They're proposing to just remove the, the, the extra bit that goes on top for super. Um, they're never going to pay workers that difference. They, this is employers want to say, and they, they want to shut down industry super because it's politically uh, opposed to them. Okay, we, we all know why what, what Tim Wilson is proposing doesn't actually help people because as soon as you release all that super money into the housing market, it just inflates it even more. It does. Much more than, than the amount that you, that you would actually get from your super. So it's com- a completely negative thing in the first place. But also, I haven't seen, even though I said this, Husey... You know people in the media. You're listening to us. Husey. Oh, bad saying that. Husey. No, 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 no. Why have you not pointed out to anybody that they should be take? I mean, that we should be taking on board that Wilson is acknowledging that, that the housing is stuffed. Yeah. We should be emphasising that. We should be running hard on, yeah. yeah, Tim Wilson is right. Housing in this country is stuffed. Ignore his stupid super thing because that's a dumb solution. For him. But let's go with him highlighting to the point where nobody can deny 
that housing is a problem that needs to be fixed. Yeah. Establish the problem. Use what he's doing. Use his, use his bullshit against him. Establish that that's the problem. And then turn around. When the anger about the housing situation is, is a big pitch and we've got both sides clearly agreeing that it's a problem, then you point out, oh, hang on, it's because of all the money in there. This is, we need to be dragging the investors back out of it. Like we can we can argue it, but when we whenever we argue for those things to be fixed, the first pushback is no no the housing situation is fine. People are getting you know wealthy people investors are getting the the rewards that they deserve for for their hard work of owning shit and sitting on it. But what about the land that they're banking, and what about their investments, and how can we never how about we never change anything because that's how they invested, and, and we're never allowed to change it because that's what they're depending on. Well, see, you say that as if that's a really dumb argument that should be easy to contradict because it's clearly facile. But but let me put to you like this. If that argument that you couldn't do anything about uh, land banking and you couldn't do anything to restore uh, Australia to a situation where people can afford a home rather than just all being occupied by investors, like if you think that that argument is a reasonable one, then I ask you this. Why is it that the uh, professional experts on the non-conservative side of politics in the Australian Labor Party, run by professional expert politicians, you know, who are the best people to advocate these things? Certainly not the filthy Greens. They, they're mm. just a ragtag bunch. But mm. the professional advocates in the ALP, you would think that if that argument was such a straightforward one, they would be capable of running it rather than running away from it like the gutless idiots they are. Would we? What would be the point of professional advocates who couldn't run something straightforward like, hey, uh, what, the, what the Conservatives did buggered up housing, they flooded the market with investment money, they took it out, of, uh, they, they have basically, through a deliberate policy position that the decision they made, that we can undo, we can wind back, they've broken it, you're all suffering from it, vote for us and we will fix it. Is there a... Re- I mean, you would think that... There must be something we're missing. There must be something that the galaxy brains in the ALP have thought of that we just can't. It must be beyond us mere people with functioning brains to come up with. True, there probably is actually, and and we probably have to uh, be wait till we have some intergalactic travel and can find some higher beings to sort of give that wisdom to us. To to understand the ALP. Yeah, you, how to sell that? I have an alternative. For I you. actually have another thing that we can understand the ALP on. What if it's the lazy morons? Anyway, well, that's true. So. Understanding the Liberal Party and what the Liberal Party thinks of the Labour Party, mm. South Australia has a Liberal Premier. Yep. They've gone into five-day lockdowns because of one or two cases escaping from hotel quarantine. Yeah. Victoria. Mm. Victoria has a Labour Premier. Mm. We went into a five-day boo! lockdown. Sorry, I forgot to go boo. We went into a five-day lockdown because of hotel quarantine. Mm. But it's completely different. It's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're horrible and we're destroying the country and destroying everything. Yes. Good. Good. Well, I'm just so we're clear. Yes. Also, Gladys is a god and should be worshipped for her did you see the handling of, um... of, uh, of COVID and we should all worship her. So you know when the Libs did their um, announcement the other day, uh, Greg Hunt um, put out the, the thing about the vaccine that the, the Liberals had concerned, that the government has secured, so with taxpayer money, it's the government, not the Liberals, um, these extra vaccines. And they put out the announcement with the big Liberal Party logo yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. And then he was asked about it on, on, on ABC Breakfast. And he's like, my, to Michael Rowland, oh, well, I know I had a bet with my staff that you'd ask me this question, you filthy lefty. They're like, no, 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 I would have asked anybody this. No, no, we all know that you're a filthy lefty. Like, well, could you acknowledge the, 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 the point I'm making, which is that it's not 
a Liberal Party thing. It's a government thing. It's like when they had Liberal Party candidates hand out grant checks when or, right before the election. So people who weren't actually in office when it was an independent in office in that area. Or when you say people, you mean Georgina Downer, Alexander yes, Downer store. Yes, yeah. yes. Speaking of Alexander Downer, though. Oh God, he was on Quanda. Well, he's also out there tweeting still. Well, yeah, but it's going to be dumb. Surely politicians are aware of Article 12 of International Convention on Civil and Political Rights guarantee all people a right to return to their own country. We have to allow Australians to come up if they want to. To which Tim Smith MP may, has a follow-up. Tim Smith as in the, the right-wing idiot in Victoria. Yes. Good point. Daniel Andrews clearly has no ideas about the fundamental rights of Australians. A copy of the International Convention on Civil and Political Rights should be sent to him immediately. Andrews locked Victorians down. Now he wants to lock Australians out. Might I then refer to our constitution and a variety of other things that show that... No, don't you dare point out that quarantine is a... No, don't you... Quarantine is a federal responsibility. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, yes. It is true that uh, Section 51.9 of the Constitution does literally list quarantine uh, as the uh, Commonwealth responsibility. um, I'm trying to ignore it. I'm trying to suggest that maybe there's some other way of interpreting that paragraph. Maybe it means something else. Maybe there's some other words around it that change the meaning. But very inconveniently for me making this argument, uh, quarantine is literally the only thing that's listed in that subparagraph. It's <laughs> literally just quarantine. So, yes, yes. One one might argue that perhaps the federal government could be running quarantine rather than leaving it out of the states. Mm, and I think that's the argument that they continue to make, is that federal government should be running quarantine. Well, in that they have power to do it. Like, what, what, what's the state, what are the states meant to do? Like, build quarantine facilities and then have the federal government uh, just take... Like, they don't have the power to do it. The federal government ha- is responsible for quarantine. It is literally a thing that the federal government has the power to do. And it's responsible for... Like, it's just... The only reason the states took it on was because Scummo was clearly indicating that he wasn't going to do it at all and we'd have ended up in the UK or the US situation. Uh. Like, thank goodness that the states did it, but it doesn't mean that... Like, that was a stopgap. Anyway, it's just... It's just staggering... Anyway, I thought it would probably be worth ending the podcast with something something uplifting. And then I couldn't think of anything uplifting, and what I thought I would end it with was something sickening instead. So, would you like to hear about Andrew Bolt? No. Thank Am you I for... going to hear about Andrew Bolt anyway? Well, no, I could, yes. just, I could just end the podcast there. <laughs> okay, now tell me tell me about everyone's friend, the blot on uh, our world. I'm, I'm not even going to tell you. I'm going to literally get you to read the opening of a, paragra- of a story that Andrew Bolt wrote chose to write nobody held his gun to write encouraged him to write that, that we know of no i'm pretty confident it didn't happen he, he chose to write this and the daily telegraph chose to publish this this is literally a thing that in the last six days was published in australia written in australia by a person who still has a job it was a newspaper that published this and is still producing copies they published this just to tell you, reader, uh, listener, sorry, he's actually been holding the phone away from me, so I can't actually see what he's holding, and has just now shown me. Oh, but by the way, everybody put on your, your like, vomit reduction sunglasses <laughs> or something, I don't know. How many elderly Australian men must be unfairly jailed for raping boys before we cool this hysteria? I also really dislike the word hysteria because of the etymological oh, history yeah, I, of it. And it is what? very I much a... He's chosen it because of that, because of his oh, history. Hysteria is such a, it's such a womanly thing. It's such a, you know, hysteria. No, no, no. no. It's just that it's a womanly thing. I think that Andrew Bolt is aware of the problem with the word hysteria. Oh, I'm, I'm, sure he, I'm sure somebody has pointed out to him at some point why hysteria is an obnoxious 
term based on the horrific history of you know, mm. treating uh, women's bodies and women's health as subjects of shame and, and, and blaming them for... Yeah, so hence... I'm not going to explain the history of oh, the story here, but you know, he knows that it pisses off people who are, who are conscious of these things. And I'm sure, I suspect that even more than the gendered tone is the fuck you lefties tone. Yeah, exactly. The condescension in it. Oh my, how, how does anyone write that and not How get, many like, elderly Australian men must be unfairly jailed for raping boys before we cool this hysteria? I mean... How many more articles does Andrew Bolt have to write like this before we stop allowing him... To political greatness, go on that. I just maybe that's what cancel culture is. Sometimes you just want to ask why? Why are we unfairly jailing elderly Australian men for you know raping people? Why are we? I mean, you just want to ask that question, and the cancel culture comes back and tells you, "Fuck off! We're not employing you anymore. We're not buying your newspaper. We're having nothing to do with you when you ask when you decide to make such." disturbing campaigns oh cancel culture that's what cancel culture is he's revolting and weird like what a weird weird pitch to make like there's plenty of revolting things that andrew bolt says that he knows you'll get you know public support from you know there's you can always fan xenophobia you can always fan sexism you can always fan homophobia there's plenty of nasty things you can put out there that people will go along with and you can get some notoriety and some some clicks from but like who is that? Like is his audience George Pell, and and yes. um, uh, hey dad, dickhead, Robert Hughes? Is it is it those ones? Is he's like I'm I Andrew Bolt. I'm now aiming my columns at George Pell and Robert Hughes. This is my my new my new pitch to the Daily Telegraph. I have an audience of two. Oh, uh, no, I no, I don't know the name of a bunch of more of them. Anyway, I'm limiting. I Andrew Bolt. I'm limiting my my audience to this very select group of people who this will appeal to. It's, it's weird as well, as well as being, you know, the nasty shit that we're used to from Bolt. This one's also like a really weird pitch. Yeah, like it's just bizarre, that one. That's bizarre. Wow. Wow. Oh, but uh, more crown directors have resigned. Another crown director has resigned, so that's some good news to end on. I mean, I mean it is. But uh, does that count as... I, really I think good news. Uh, someone actually called Crown on being the corrupt uh, thing that they are, but unfortunately they still can hold hey, license here. Hey, sometimes, sometimes there's a good reason for facilitating money laundering, which is that it's extremely lucrative. Mm. Extremely lucrative. Anyway, that's probably where we should leave it. Do you know what? The, 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 the money laundering for organised crime is still less disturbing than Andrew Yeah. Anyway, thank you for coming, joining us back for uh, an, an episode of... My goodness, what the hell do we have to do to, to, to bring this country back to some kind of sanity? Um, I'm not quite sure that we actually reach that, but we'll, we'll build on it. We will. Denise, where can people find you? On the toots. Deansy on Twitter, D-E-E-N-S-E-Y. And by the time you hear this, my poll about whether Hawk... And Fork Rhyme will probably have closed, but, you know... Fork. It's a Hawk. Fork. 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 Anyway, these are the the trials and tribulations you have when you have a uh, intercontinental marriage. As long as as our kids don't grow up saying hark. Anyway. (laughs) That's okay, you're already upset because they're going to grow up saying pencil crayons. Uh, People can find us at Well May We Say. Please feel free to engage with us on there. It is actually nice to hear from you. I think part of 
part of the motivation to get the podcast going is feeling like there's actually a conversation that um, that everybody's part of, rather than just sort of releasing them into the void. Uh, thank Whee! you, the, thank you to our subscribers who keep the podcast going. You are heroes. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you're heroes. Well, you're generous, kind people who are assisting us in this project. It's probably heroes might be might be overstating it, but I feel like you deserve a bit of overstatement. Anyway, I'm going to wind down because I'm, I've apparently gone off into a terrible sentence that I don't know how to end. Um, thank you to Alex Lump for the artwork, Robin Gray for the music, and we'll see you all very soon. See you Bye. later. Bye.